Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hey, welcome. Great to see you. It's going to help you and help me for you to find the Bible. Um, look online if you haven't got one. Uh, Google 2 Timothy chapter 1. I've got mine, the paper one, the real one, and it's open at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to be looking through the whole chapter here because it's amazing how God puts things in advance to be able to help us to understand that he's got things worked out and he's got a plan no matter what it seems like from beginning to end. He's in charge and words that encouraged this young man called Timothy are going to encourage us again today. We've been in a series where we looked at 1 Timothy and it's so good we're just carrying on into 2 Timothy. Turn off all the other notifications. Don't go and decide, oh look, the internet and look at all kinds of other stuff. Stick with the Bible and God's going to speak to you because God is going to talk to us through a letter that was written from the darkest, scariest place on the earth where Paul writes to tell somebody else, don't be afraid because God can help you to see in the dark. Probably the most famous line in this chapter declares this, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but we've been through so much and there's still so much uncertainty and most of us perhaps are breathing a little bit easier as the world seems to open up, but then you watch the news or there's warnings about a third wave and so the fear kind of is only just near somewhere. So let's name the fear. There's the fear of isolation. There's the fear of the unknown. There's the fear of death. And then I want you to take those fears and 2,000 years ago, go back, in, if you like, to a place that is there. You can still go and visit this place in history where all those fears would combine and multiply a thousandfold. You'd be taken in to a dungeon in, in the city of Rome, the city's only prison, the Mamertine. This little place was really death row. The, the Romans really didn't keep prisoners in prison as punishment. You'd be flogged or you'd be exiled or you would be forced into labour as a slave or you'd just be executed straight off. The Mamertine was reserved for like political prisoners, high-profile enemies of the state and history records it's now most famous inmates over time were the apostle Paul and then later Peter. You usually didn't stay in that square cell that you can walk into and visit now. The condemned were lowered or dropped 12 feet down into the Tulaneum, which was a, a smaller, damp, circular pit underground, originally built as part of the city's sewers, which ran right alongside the building. So you joined others starving in the gloom and the answer to prison overcrowding there, if it got more than 30, 35 people, what they would do is they would open a gate that's still there in the wall, you can see this, so they would be drowned in the sewage of, as the room filled up with it and then washed out into the Tiber and then you were ready for the next batch of prisoners. Now, Paul's been in various prisons throughout his life. He's been in prison in Jerusalem, in, Ju in Philippi, in Caesarea. When he first came to Rome, he was put under house arrest. It says that in the book of Acts. And then, AD 64, Nero is believed to have remodeled the city by setting fire to it. And as a result, more or less three quarters of the city was destroyed. And to 
deflect criticism from yourself, you put the blame on this new Jewish sect called Christians. And so Paul became public enemy number one. Now, somehow from there, Paul gets this very personal letter out to Timothy, who's still leading the church at Ephesus. There's a book I just watched recently, a movie I just watched recently called Paul, Apostle of Christ, with Jim Cavaziel in it. And it's really good. It's going to paint a tough, but actually quite sanitized version of the horrible events of those times. And soon after, Paul writes about how he longs to see Timothy just one last time. Guards would come and they'd taken him outside and beheaded him because he was a Roman citizen. He couldn't be crucified, although, as we know, Peter was taken out and he was crucified, but he said, I don't deserve to be crucified in the same way as my saviour, and so they crucified him upside down. And now if you go into this prison in Rome, you'll see there's a little altar there with an upside-down cross, and that's not a satanic symbol. It's the sign of how St. Peter died. So 2 Timothy is the last letter that we have that Paul wrote, and that's what makes it, for me, a very sacred you know, really sacred. The Bible's sacred, but an incredibly poignant thing to be able to study. Very moving, because this really is like Paul's last will and testament. But he doesn't write and say, Timothy, just pray that I get out of here. And he doesn't say, you know, start a petition and, and tell people, demand my release. No, despite the fear, the isolation and the death and, and the depression and the, the hopelessness of his situation, you might think, he specifically writes out to Timothy to say to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid no matter what. He wants to encourage Timothy for what he has got to face. So he says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you all the time, Timothy. And you're going to have to need to share in the suffering and hold fast to the truth of Scripture and stand strong because God is with you no matter what you go through. So look with me. It starts out with who the sender is, not the recipient, as was customary. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. The one, this is Paul who used to persecute Christians, who then was famously converted on the road to Damascus and now spends his life, whole life sacrificially serving him so other people will come to know him too. To Timothy, verse 2, my dear son. Paul's like his mentor. He's in his 60s now. Timothy's going to be in his 30s. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God. That's the first thing he's saying in this situation. I thank God. Notice that gratitude. Whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. He's not in jail for doing anything wrong. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Wow, he's not just thinking about himself in there and how terrible his situation is. He's praying for another person. He's praying for Timothy all the time. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Can you hear the longing? Sometimes our worship songs kind of say, oh, God's all we need. It's not true because God made us to need one another as well. It's the way we're wired. And that's why it's great to have some beautiful people here in church with us today in the building. And uh, next week, why don't you book in? You could join us in here perhaps or in Cheadle Hume. Today there's people in there too. So if you're in there, whoop and shout. I might be able to hear you from all the way there. There we go. Probably not. But 
why don't you join us if possible because we're going to keep finding ways to physically meet together as believers in Jesus Christ or people who are just checking out what it is that we believe because we long to see one another too it makes our joy complete to be able to do that so if you check the Ivy website and click on the what's on on there you're going to see we have other places and dates as well as the things that Hannah's already told us about as we open up more we want to be in more places and more ways with various ministries various ages we want to meet as much as possible we can within the laws within the rules and guidelines there are restrictions to keep you safe to worship God and to bring new people along. We're going to carry on online too because if last year showed us anything, it's that worship is a choice that we can make from anywhere. Remember where Paul was when he's praying here. And the Lord is right there with you by his spirit now, wherever you are. But we also want to plan some larger all-together meetings and some outdoor meetups through the summer. And I love that the kids are starting to meet and have family church and that loads of our youth have been gathering in person more already. The restrictions actually opened up for them more than they have done for us in church just yet. But we have all these different plans, not just to watch IKTV every week, although that's been absolutely brilliant. And we can't sing in here, though I think I did spot one or two people mumbling in, uh, in praise. But unless we go outside, and you can't do that under the restrictions at the moment, unless it's outside within the grounds of the church building. So we can't just rock up and go back to Fuse or go back to Academy or like we used to. And, and if you went to back to Sharston, you'd see that things have changed in there too because the, there's message live online that's reaching out to loads of people too and they've remodeled inside. And even in this room, we can only open up so far because we're space restricted more than some other churches might be. But we just do our best with what we've got. All our ministries have been changed. Some have stopped, some have paused. Various Ivy staff were furloughed flexibly or entirely at various stages in the last year. But it's hard to keep living in that uncertainty when you're supposed to be ministering reassurance to other people. And I love the way our team has innovated and shifted and adapted. But in December, some said, we just need to know what jobs we actually are going to be doing going forward with a fair and proper process to be able to pray through whether we actually want to do those things that are needed to be done here, rather than just keep reacting. And we said, you know what, that's fair enough. That's fair enough that you'd ask that. And so we wanted to keep on looking after you and reaching out to more people because we believe as the kingdom keeps advancing, so the church should too. So we took advice, expert advice, and we began with the elders and then with some staff team putting together a formal restructuring process with some new jobs being created and others um, no longer required in the way that they had been. Because we couldn't just ignore the changes. You know, nobody can say we've rushed this. It's been over a year since COVID started. And it's hard, though, to plan like that and to look into an unknown future. It can feel like you're in the dark in so many things. And sometimes you can just sit there in the dark and hope it all goes away. We all know the feeling that being hemmed in by this global trauma that everybody's been through when normal was taken away. And we've each had our own individual clobberings too to deal with. And we're trying to heal from that. So how do you see in the dark? 
God's going to show us right here from this chapter how to see in the dark. If you've been with us already, as I said, looking at 1 Timothy, you're going to know this applies to us too because the early church, don't paint a rosy picture of it, the early church was birthed out of chaos and instability. There were pressures on the outside, on the inside. There was persecution on the outside. It was volatile on the inside. And for the first 300 years, to say you were a Christian, to become a Christian, didn't mean an hour or so with nice people on Sunday morning, kids work and coffee rotors, you were more likely to be fed to the lions than to be fed with quiche and coffee. You signed up, as Jesus warned, to be hunted and hated, to be lied about, to be thrown out, locked up, beat up or hung up for being his follower. But nothing could stop them saying yes to Jesus. That's why eight times Paul in this letter uses the word faith. But do you know what word it's often linked to? Five times it's linked to the word endure. Believe, endure. Faith, endure. Endure, faith, believe, trust, endure, endure. Do you need to hear that? Some people would need to hear that word today to just get you through what it is that you're going to go through. You need to believe and you need to endure. So picture this wonderful godly man sitting in the dark in a hellhole, dank, dark, fetid, not praying for himself, not praying for comfort, not praying for freedom or rescue, not praying God will judge Nero. He's got above that. He's got over that. Above it all, literally, He's learned to get a heavenly perspective that we, I, I know I need to get a lot more. So he prays. Day and night, he says he prays. And he, he closes his eyes in the dark, maybe. And he does what he's taught so many other people to do, what he wrote to the Corinthians and said, you've got to do. He said, you need to learn to see the unseen. That's how you start to see in the dark. We can barely see our way ahead sometimes. As individuals, as church, at times our eyes get filled with tears. We can't see with all the clarity or all the certainty that we'd want. How will we see more of each other? Paul would love to see Timothy. So now he prays and he fixes his eyes, not on what he's seen, but on what is unseen. Because he can't stay stuck in the gloom of his present circumstances. So how do you see in the dark? Three ways that the eyes of faith will see in the dark. And it's all in this chapter. And the first one, write this down, is you look back with gratitude at what God has done. That's in verses 3 to 7. Look back and give thanks for what God has done. To start to see in the dark, you have to, we have to learn to look back, not with fear, but with thanks. What could you be grateful for? What is it that you can be thanking God for? Who can you thank God for? Scholars believe Paul was losing his physical sight anyway. Whatever he could dimly make out in that pit that he was in, that stinking dungeon wouldn't have been good. But his spiritual vision got sharper the more he prayed. How about us? How do you see things? Paul is thanking God. And then he reminds Timothy, you need to look back with gratitude at how faithful God has been because you can't be grateful and fearful at the same time. Verse 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. He's reminded, he's remembering. Paul's finding things to be grateful for here. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, Remember, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He's saying, remember that time I prayed for you? 
For God did not give us a spirit of fear, literally cowardice, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I look back on the last 12 years that I've been called to lead Ivy and there's so much to be grateful for, so many of you to be thankful for. Even in the last pretty horrible year at times, if you were going to shift focus to gratitude like that, what could you give thanks for? Just the, We were talking the other day, Just I've got a little bit better at cooking. <laughs> That's one thing. What about you? What could you thank God for from this last year? Everybody, you see, every business, every organisation has had to reassess and reconfigure. As Jesus followers, we won't just make our own plans, but like Hannah said, the elders, the staff, we want to pray and we want to ask God what to do. We always want to do that. Not rushing, taking it steadily and patiently, but then doing what we believe he's told us. Just before and then since COVID, there's already been change from a staff perspective. Some like Sam and then Ollie and then more recently Katie have responded to God saying, I've got other things for you to do. Some of you already know that Heather and Leighton have recently felt called to move the Walters family to start a new ministry in Blackpool and we love them and we're committed to blessing them into that new place. Joe Kimball who served faithfully in her work on gift aid and to do with the collections well that work lessened and lessened as we encourage you to give more online and so as a result that job has finished and as they let Ivy Didsbury people know yesterday, some of you know this already, Matt and Lucy Round have now felt led to move on to Cheltenham where she will continue her work for the BBC and Matt's going to be a school chaplain which I think is brilliant in what looks to me like the dream job. When, when the school contacted me and asked me for reference for it, I said I, I believe that he will so flourish there, that I believe that the way that he's loved people here so well and especially through the hard times means he is going to be perfectly suited for that new role when they get ready to move down there. So I'm glad for them, even though some of these changes come mixed with genuine sadness for the rest of us. We know the Lord is in control. He's fully in control. And we do not have a spirit of fear. We don't give way to that spirit. We say none of this is by accident. He's working it all together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So Please would you stay on the Zoom call afterwards. Heather is going to be on the Sharston Zoom call. And I know many of you have been loved by Matt and Lucy as your leaders. And you're going to want to show them the love afterwards too. Praying for them as you look back with gratitude. That's the first step in seeing the dark. But the next is that you can make plans if you look forward with faith to all that God is going to do. Look with me at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. seems lots of people had disowned uh, Paul as soon as he was arrested, just like they did with Jesus. People left him and ran. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Paul's remembering God's always got a plan. And which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour Jesus Christ, who abolished death 
and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Again, Paul's looking forward with faith. He knows he's got a lot to look forward to. Whatever happens to him here on this earth, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Not why I have a glorious, wonderful time. This is why I suffer, because of the cause of Christ. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. He's trusting God. And I am convinced that he is able. The word able there literally is mighty. He is mighty to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. I look back with gratitude at what God has done so far, especially for the thousands of new people and families who've heard about Jesus through Ivy in the last year or so. Many of you in this loneliest year perhaps in modern history, have found connection and community and made commitments through all the many ways that we've, well, things that we never would have done were it not for the pandemic. I think the devil shot himself in the little hoof there to some extent because we've not given way to fear, but we've kept on giving and serving, baptising and worshipping through Sunday services, IKTV, Zoom prayer, grow groups, alpha courses, with all kinds of inventive adaptation. We've helped hundreds of other churches and their leaders to continue to keep going and growing through launch all around the world. We've started our own discipleship course. We've trained over 50 leaders in our first course to start micro churches. I'll say more about that in the weeks ahead. And to be honest with you, I'd rather call them fast multiplying churches. It just doesn't roll off the tongue so well. But listen, I don't want you to worry about this micro church idea. We're not going to be saying that we're never going to meet together as church in various settings. I've already explained that. But you don't have to worry that you're all just going to get divvied up and made to go to somebody's micro church. That's not what they're for. Mars and Andrew, they've started a micro church. And they would tell you it's not for us, the existing ones, it's to make a bridge to reach people at the moment far from God who wouldn't think of coming to church and to be able to reach new people in new ways, in new places. They're not for people who are already part of Ivy to be made to go to in some way. Unless you want to go along and serve in some way and God calls you to that or even serves you to apply for the training to be able to do micro church yourself in the future. So how can we keep on meeting? Again, any way we can. We've got some big dreams, but we always back up the dreams and the plans with some other plans, some alternative plans in case the situation changes. So it's flexible still. Please pray, because it's a bit like prophecy when you're making plans these days. We need backup plans and as well as the plans, and we're just kind of feeling our way forward in the dark as we make those plans in faith as a church. Keep in touch so we can keep you updated on the website. Get the newsletter through your email and like the Ivy Facebook page. And we are going to keep on using the best tech online, so as well as meet to face to face. In medium, smaller, larger groups, we want to do that because one of Ivy's values, you see, in our DNA is that we are a both and kind of church. So we are going to make the most of the influence and the opportunities God gives us. I'm, on the, I'm co-chair of Festival Manchester where we're planning to gather thousands of people next year. And I was just uh, down the road in the park the other day looking at that. Festival Manchester aims to gather thousands. That's wonderful. But you know what? We, I just had a, had a report through that YouTube alone ivy sunday services last year had over 50,000 views 
That's a measurable, meaningful interaction, specifically chosen. It isn't just coming up on somebody's line or whatever and them seeing it. That's somebody choosing to check out, somebody looking for God in some way and looking here to be able to connect and find him. And if that's you, by the way, you maybe you can't come physically, but you've gone looking for God and you've ended up coming here. If there's anything that we can pray about, whether you believe in a God yet who, who answers prayer or not, we would love to be able to pray for you. And we'd love to stay in contact with you, give us your details, not so we can bombard you with stuff, but we're not going to spam you. We want to pray for you and connect with you and keep you connected to keep moving forward in these dark days. If you are worried, anybody, if you're scared, if you've got fear that keeps on encroaching, that didn't come from God. You can send it back where it came from because it did not come from him because he didn't give us a spirit of fear. As I was praying about this, perhaps somebody's been having nightmares and specifically your hair's been falling out because of the worry. That's something I would love to pray about if that's you. Please just get in touch. You can just say, I'd like some prayer. Somebody will pray for you because that needs to stop and it can stop in the name of Jesus because he didn't give you that spirit of fear. He wants you to know power and love and that you would have a peaceful mind in the name of Jesus. See, Paul knew his days on earth were numbered, but he kept looking forward in faith to all that God had got planned for the future. And he said, you know what? Even though I'm in here, if I go, I'm good to go because I know where I'm going and who I'm going to. What can you do to somebody like that? Nero puts him on death row and he just says, fine, cool. I'm just going to get closer to Jesus. I'm just getting closer every day to being with my Saviour who abolished death and opened up immortality. This is how the Christians beat Rome. They beat the whole empire. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and because they did not, give, they did not fear their lives, fear to give their lives up unto death. If you put them in the arena, which ran very close to this jail, to fight the gladiators, they wouldn't fight back. If you cursed them, they blessed you. If you punched them, they prayed for you. If you flogged them, they forgave you. Take their property away, they'll give you something instead because they knew they had the pearl of great price. They had something that nobody could ever take away. And the world looked and saw these men, women and children singing to worship Jesus, as Nero had them sewn up in animal skins or, or, or eaten by wild beasts or put in leather bags and doused with oil and set on fire to light the gardens of his palaces. And they said, who are they? And somebody said, they're the followers of Yeshua, the one who was crucified under Pontius Pilate. But they say three days later, he came back from the grave and that's why they say that they're going to go and be with him see how they live see how they die see how they love they don't die with fear but with power and with love and with a sound mind they are the Christians and now I look back at that and I have to ask if that's a Christian am I one we name the same name. Do we share the same faith? Do we have the same hope, the same gospel, the same joy? Do we know him whom we have believed? Are we convinced that he is mighty no matter whatever happens so that we can trust the future to him, whatever it brings? Or do we have to have it all laid out and comfortable and just the way I like it and the place and the ways that I like it, nice and secure and set up in advance? And if I like it, then I'll agree to it and I'll come along and I'll receive 
whatever you've got to give me. Because I have to tell you, if that's your view of Christianity, you need to get a real one. I know what kind of Christian I want to be as I look forward and make plans by faith. I want to be one who sees in the dark, however dark it gets. How do you do that? You look back with gratitude at what God has done. You look forward, trusting the future to your almighty God, even though you can't see it, knowing that he can see it. And finally, we look around at who's with us. Verse 13, look at that. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and loving Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Who's with you? Wherever you go, whatever you go through, you're never alone. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. People might. Paul wrote in the next verse, verse 15. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. These are people Timothy knows, or they wouldn't get a mention by name. Maybe they're people in Ephesus, people who used to be close, close to Paul, but when the going got tough, they said tough and got going. Everybody that we want to stay may not stay for all kinds of reasons, good and bad. But then Paul shifts focus again. He wants to see in the dark and he looks around at who is with him. Later he mentions Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts, and now he mentions Another guy here at the end of the chapter with a long and funny name. Maybe this person was the postman who would take the letter back to Timothy. I don't know. This was somebody, though, who had sought him out and come to find him while he's there in this fearful prison. Until now, Timothy had been too scared to come. But verse 16, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. At launch, one of the speakers asked us the question, who's your 2 a.m. friend? Do you have anybody, he said, if you rang from a cell at 2 a.m. in the morning, you know they'd come. I think I've got one or two of them. How about you? Paul says this guy was one of his. So as we close the chapter with the verse, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day in this year of mercy. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. You know, we're excited when the Lord calls people who've been here and they follow that prompting of the Holy Spirit to leave and to go into another place. It takes faith to step out and do that, but it also takes faith to stay it takes faith to stay here and serve here, especially when everything's been shaken up so much. And I want to honour all the staff who are doing that too. Many of you, you've got so much to look back with gratitude on because of what meeting as a site has meant to you. But having sites without site, site leaders without sites to be able to meet in for over a year has meant a great deal of uncertainty for those leaders and they've had to morph in all kinds of different ways as a result and they've done us proud and this is true of so many ministries here at the church but as now we look forward with faith to new ways that we're going to go at Ivy in that restructuring process which we're going to release a summary of so you can read it in the week some roles have eventually drawn to a close. The staff were given first crack at applying for various new roles that have been created, some of which were filled and others which we'll now advertise. 
But we haven't just been able to talk about this with everybody publicly because this is people's jobs and livelihoods, ministries. And so the existing team were given an opportunity to be able to pray about this and look into this first, about whether they're called to stay and serve in these new ways. And on the other site calls today, please can you thank God for Tim, who's now going to take responsibility to lead us in the area of ministries called Discover, all about connecting people to Jesus, reaching out in Jesus' name. Pray for Hannah, who will lead us to help deliver, deliver, deliver programs to see people set free by the love of Jesus and Pete as he tries to show us what it really looks like to lead a life that is devoted to Jesus in your whole life as a worshipper of Christ you're going to hear again more about that in the weeks ahead especially next week Tim's going to be speaking here but please show your love and appreciation for them and the rest of the staff if you can as some roles like the amazing work that Michelle has done at Cheadle Hume has been contracted to do will soon come to a very successful conclusion and there's new advertising opportunities coming up which include to be the centre manager for Cheadle Hume the roles advertised were all ring-fenced for existing staff members to apply for first, but now we can advertise them more widely. And there's another role in the church office and two roles working with our brilliant children and young people's work teams. So the Gospels, you see, only record two occasions when Jesus ever prayed all night. Number one was in Gethsemane, but the other time was when he was choosing people to be on his team. That's how important this is. So if you love this church, can I ask you, please, Pray like mad that we will get the right people in the right places at the right time doing the right thing for God. Really pray about that. Nothing's more important. So now I invite you, wherever you are, to close your eyes and pray. You don't always have to pray with your eyes closed, especially if you're driving, don't do it. But so we can see in the dark, we need to practice seeing the unseen. So close your eyes and just start to pray. And Lord, I look back with gratitude for all you've done. And just remember, I remember I have much, so much to be grateful for. What could that be for you if you were going to be grateful? Look back with thanks. It seems Timothy had lost his dad at some point, but Paul had become like a dad to him. And he, he looked back and thought about his mum and his gran. Who can you thank God for? With thanks, look back. And keep your eyes closed. Whatever the world looks like around you, whatever's going on around you, we do not have, you do not have a spirit of fear. As we look forward to the future, Lord, please send us your spirit of power and of love and a sound mind, even though you can't see too far ahead. If we can see you, Lord, if we know, we know you're leading us, thank you, Lord, that you call us and you lead us, all of us, not just Heather, or Matt, Michelle, Tim, Hannah, Pete. All of us can only see in the dark, in the light of your word. Okay, open your eyes, nearly done. Look around. No, look on the chat at some of the other names, some of the other people that you've been doing church with today. Remember, first of all, you've got the Lord with you right where you are, wherever you are. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to be with you. He's promised that. 
And I hope you're connecting and learning to connect with good friends here at Ivy too in different ways. And we'd all love 2AM friends like Onesiphorus who come and find us, who are there for us when we need them. And maybe your fear in all of this, I'm going to name it, as we're talking about meeting and having a site meeting soon and we're going to be celebrating what God has done, but then there's uncertainty and like, how are we going to... And you're sitting there and you're thinking, but who's going to be like that to me? Who's going to be that kind of friend to me? Who's going to stay in touch with me? Who's going to support me? Who's going to see how I am? Who's going to pray for me? Who's going to encourage me? Who's going to make the effort and visit me? Could I ask instead... Who are you going to be that kind of friend for? As the summer starts to open up, and we do want to meet in more ways than we will, who could you bring along to an Ivy picnic who might be a little bit scared to go out right now? Who will you pray for and reassure? And if they're worried to come into one of our buildings, say, I'll come with you, come with me. Will you stick close to somebody? Will you encourage some people? Will you have a little list of people that you're praying for as they go through this season? And if we all had a few people that we were praying for in this next season of change for the world and the church. I often tell the story of my mate Andy who he was a missionary, didn't have much money, had a rubbishy old car, he kept breaking down and, and another friend of ours bought him a car for his ministry, for him to drive around in. And it was a lot nicer one. And the first time he drove it to go and speak at another church, he pulled up in the church car park and he said there was a little boy who was sitting on the wall who looked at him and said, that's a nice car. And Andy said, my friend bought me this car. And the little boy said, I wish I could be a friend like that. I never forgot that story. It's such a different way of looking at it. I wish I could be a friend like that. We'd all love somebody who would be an onisiphorus to us, a 2am friend, wouldn't we? Don't ask for a 2am friend. Be an onisiphorus for one or two other people, maybe three or four other people. See, onisiphorus didn't let anything stop him seeing Paul to be there for him. He was there for him no matter what. No matter what anybody else said or thought. He was never ashamed to keep connected to him. Let's use this opportunity now to make stronger commitments today for tomorrow to the Lord and to one another. To meet with people. To stick together with one another however we can. And as we look back with gratitude and we look forward with faith, I'm grateful for you that we can look around and see that none of us has to be alone as we move forward into the next things the Lord has planned for us as individuals and as Ivy and for his kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.